Hello, folks. Bradley J. here. And uh, I'm making a big effort to only come on when I have a guest or something important to say. And I have an important, awesome guest here, Father Brian from a parish, which I will let him announce his, his parishes, plural, have combined. And, we'll, and we are going to, he will announce the new name, name later. But firstly, thank you for being with us, Father Brian. All right. Great to be back with you, Bradley. And uh, appreciate um, it's not radio, but still that next best thing. Well, maybe it's better because we can see we can't see you on radio. Right, right. I've got a great face for radio, they say. Me but, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I must tell you, you look great. You look healthy. Yeah. The color is good. And, because, yeah. and that's important because you've had an extremely, uh, well, on a number of levels, challenging year. Talk about the health challenges as much as you want. I think it's, right. it's yeah. inspiring. Yeah, the um, first 2020, or at least the last month of this year, has been the most challenging of my life because on July 7th, my, uh, my mother died of Alzheimer's. 15 days later, my dad died of cancer. And it was just a, a, a gut punch to me and my siblings, the entire family. Um, they both were, you know, just amazing people. That's uh, who I credit with, um, you know, who I am today as a person, as a priest. And they died peacefully in our family home in Quincy. And it's just been a while. July started off really beautiful. My one of my nieces got married at the beginning of the month, and then it went. It got into considerable challenges after that. So I'm very grateful for everybody from my parish who's uh, prayed for me. I'm grateful for my uh, my siblings who are rock stars. They were the total caregivers of my parents during these final uh, years and days. Uh, but definitely in my 23 years of priesthood. And I don't think I'll ever renege on this. It was the toughest things I ever had to do as a priest, burying my parents. Um, someone asked me at some point, they said, are you going to do their funeral? And I, I was just taken aback. I said, yes, I obviously will. And you're going to be preaching? I said, absolutely. Um, one of the things, typically when I preach at a mass, I just use notes. And um, But a good friend of mine who's a priest in... Um, in Fall River, who buried his dad years ago, he said, you have to write out your homilies for both of them. And it, it did work just to keep me focused. Um, it, both celebrations of life were, were uplifting at my parents' requests. You know? But then I had to throw in a few inside jokes there, uh, quoted Husker Du at both um, of my parents' homilies. And really, because uh, there's a line at my father's um, ass. I said, uh, there's a line from a Husker Du song called Hardly Getting Over It, and it says, um, my parents, they wonder when they're going to die, and what do I do when they die? And I said, this is my life right now. What are my, my, my siblings, too? What, what are we going to do when our parents both die and within 15 days of each other? Um, it was just sad. My dad, basically, the cause of death was cancer, but it was cancer and a broken heart. So, um, that was most of July. And um, prior to that, well, <laughs> uh, earlier in the year, I had a stem cell transplant. I, uh, I developed this very strange um, blood disease called amyloidosis, which was diagnosed basically about a year ago. 
and the best treatment was to be in the hospital at the Israel Hospital, which are, I credit with uh, you detecting this early. And I was, I got admitted on, um, oh, on Valentine's Day when the world was still like really pre-COVID. Spent five weeks in there and then I got discharged. Then um, the whole world had changed. Uh, but I would, but I was quarantined before the whole world had to. So I take that as sort of a, a little um, bit of credit. You know? I must have been concerned that you were, uh, your immune system was compromised and you're in a facility. You, mm -hmm. you must have been pretty, you felt pretty vulnerable. Very vulnerable, but they took very good care of me. Um, however, when I got discharged from that hospital, I went, I was planning to spend a few weeks at the um, priest convalescent home uh, called Regina Clary, which is located just near the TD Bank Garden. And um, I was there about a week, and then a few of the priests there came down with COVID. And within two hours, they had me out of that place. Um, I, they called my sister. <laughs> it was really funny. She, uh, the, the director came by my room and she said, well, uh, you heard about the COVID cases and we need you out of here in two hours. And I talked to your sister and she said, you get along with her, right? I said, yeah, I do. She's my healthcare proxy. She said, well, you're going to be living with her for a few weeks. And that worked out wonderfully. It was a good uh, experience to be. I was the, uh, I had a, like, I was the creepy uncle living in the basement. Uh -huh. <laughs> I felt like Joe Biden because I had to uh, run parish business from uh, on Zoom meetings down there. Um, but eventually I got back here to Dorchester and worked full throttle in um, merging these two parishes, which did have to happen, uh, or else both parishes, Brendan's and St. Anne's, would fail along with the, uh, the parish school. So that was June, and we, you know, we let our parish leadership know, and they gave us an affirmative um, vote of confidence. Then I had to present it, we had to present it to the archdiocese to see if we had enough of a case to do so and then they, they approve the merger. Now, when one merges two parishes, uh, it's recommended that you come up with a new name, something that speaks to the community. And we let the parishioners have a little, um, basically a contest, if you will. Uh, they submitted over a course of two weeks, 58 suggestions for saints or moments in the life of Jesus that could be applicable to a parish. And um, then I had to give a good, a good reason why, not just uh, one, one reason, one uh, parish suggestion was St. Francis of Neponset. Well, St. Francis never walked around Neponset Ave or Ashmont Street, so that was, you, you couldn't use that one. But then uh, with the top choices and suggestions were St. Michael the Archangel. The next one was uh, Pope St. John Paul II. The third one was St. Martin de Porres. And those were submitted to the Cardinal last week. And on Thursday, he decided that the new parish name will be, here it is. Drum roll. There it is, St. Martin de Porres. He was a 16th century Peruvian, uh, he was mulatto. And it took him, a, it was very difficult for him to enter into the Dominican order of, uh, of uh, religious and priests. They ostracized him. Um, and he was a miracle worker. He ministered during a time of a pandemic in, uh, in Lima, Peru, um, was uh, a great man of prayer. And each saint has a lot of um, uh, 
uh, patronage that they, he or she is a part of. And he's very timely for us because he is the patron saint of mixed race peoples, uh, those who work for civil rights and uh, uh, to combat the sin of racism. And this was, uh, it's very, uh, uh, it's needed in, in not only in our country, but especially uh, for the Catholic Church to be truly voicing um, these days about there has to be equality amongst all races. And uh, the sin of racism is not spoken of as much as it should be from the church pulpits. But Cardinal Sean did write a letter to, our, to all the priests last week reminding us of uh, our, our pastoral responsibility to our uh, brothers and sisters to uh, speak out against racism. He gave us a 25-page letter that the United States bishops gave us to uh, read about uh, what we can do in the parish. And I've been in contact with uh, sh the, the Shrine of St. Martin de Porres, which is in Memphis, Tennessee. I really can't figure out why it's down there, but the, the person down there has been helpful, and I've been trying to track down statues and yeah. more, of the, more of these icons. To, I was going to say, you're going yeah. to have to yeah. get some triptychs and some statues and, right. and some, some iconery. Yeah. Uh, interesting. His, his feast day, uh, every saint has a feast, and it's November 3rd, which is, drum roll please, election Act day. Election day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just pass over that comment in silence. But it's been... Uh, it's been interesting being back on the job, especially during these pandemic days with uh, we can have only 40% of our churches at capacity uh, with all social distancing and taking staff's temperatures and wearing masks during, um, I got a nice mask last night from friends of mine in Brookline. It's, it's Prince. Yeah. Uh, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Friends of mine in Jamaica playing gave me that last night. Um, and I've been sporting the uh, the Joy Division uh, model face mask and a few others too. Just try to be fashionable during these days, right? Yes. Now I have sometimes the most general questions are the hardest. Here, here comes one. What? Are the, what's the main goal of the church? The church's main goal is to save souls and find and show people the way to heaven and develop a great relationship along the way with Jesus Christ and with your brothers and sisters. Well done. I have a few more. Do, is it difficult to stay apolitical? I mean, because politics is, you know, everybody sees what's going on. Mm. To what degree are you, do you stay apolitical? I'm guessing 100% if you can, or maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You can't be apolitical as a member of the church, especially not as a priest. I can't speak about particular candidates. Well, you know, it, it is a moral responsibility of someone to participate in the system of, uh, of democracy, to vote. But even times where the, the conscience, which we're called to build uh, in the election process, if you find that you can't vote for either candidate or president or if you just you, to absent yourself from the election I, one thing i found refreshing at the, at the in the primaries is that you can vote um, none of the above but you're still participating but i get um yeah i get political in my my homilies and my remarks and some people are waiting for me after mass the good thing about these days is that everyone is told to leave church they can't be waiting for me after 
notes. Right. <laughs> they have to, yeah, for the for their little commentary. But then the email or the phone call will come. Um, but you know, the the church's point it was said years ago is that you you're there to uh, comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And if it's a political fit, if people give the argument of separation of church and state, that, that's a, such a fallacy with us. We can't, obviously, I can't put a political candidate sign in front of one of my churches or have um, uh, campaigners do a, um, a, a, a their petitions on, on church grounds. They give us um, our PR person reminds that every once in a while, which we need to. But yeah, I, I can't. I can't be apolitical. No way. All right. Uh, so, speaking of comfort, the, the, there's a lot of discomfort these days. Can you sense that your parishioners need more than they used to have need? Can you feel it? Well, the yeah, uh, the, those who can't attend the the liturgies. Um, people who are in, uh, who are elder and they're they're afraid to leave their house to miss the encounter of the community is heartbreaking. And for me and other priests, missing most of our parishioners, that's a tr tremendous amount of comfort to be with your people and to receive the Eucharist, to sing when we can sing again, or and listen to the readings. That, yeah, a total shelter in the storm. And there's a lot of fear out there on all, all sorts of levels, uh, not just the political realm, but uh, economically. And then if you're, if you're a parent with a child going back to school in the next month, um, we're having a, a meeting with our school faculty tomorrow on Zoom and preparing for our reopening in the next several weeks and meeting with the parents on Zoom on Wednesday. I, I don't, people say that, you know, priests make the ultimate sacrifice, but I, believe parents in this day and age especially do more than priests because especially during the pandemic days of juggling their careers and also serving as uh, teachers for their children you know um, lots lots of fear and need for comfort out there there are other means of encountering people don't understand how many things you do you're up at 4.30 or something crazy like that? No, not anymore. I, I have a I've had a change of lifestyle, the, the transplant. See, the, the, uh, I, and I, I, I kind of owe this to what has happened in your life. I, there's no need for me to wake up at 3 in the morning anymore. You know? uh, the, the gym doesn't open until 6. And what I do is I listen, I, uh, I listen to Joe Matthew. Yeah. Right? yeah. I found Joe. And Yay. the and the BBC at four in the morning. I love that. I feel so intellectual. And then Joe comes on at 10 or five in the gang. And I'm like, oh. So then I get ready, do my prayer, um, catch up on the world. Then I'm at work at seven. I, I hold off in the exercise until early to mid-afternoon, go to the planet then and catch like daytime TV because you can't bring magazines to the gym anymore. And I'm like getting behind in my like pretentious New Yorker reading and stuff, and it's awful. If that's the biggest problem I have, I'm doing okay. But yeah, post-trans, I, I didn't sleep much or very well in the hospital, but who does um, with people coming in at all hours, checking, uh, checking vitals, and <laughs> some people don't use their indoor voices. Uh, well, they use their outdoor voices indoors at 11 o'clock when they're taking your blood. It's like the, 
the wacky neighbor bursting in during a sitcom. Hey, hey, Brian, time to take your blood. Like, you know, ah. I've been waiting for you. It's midnight. But I'm glad, uh, yeah. What's your favorite part? By the way, we're with Father Brian, uh, formerly of St. Anne's and St. Brendan's Parish, which have now merged to be St. Yeah. Martin's Parish. Yeah, but the churches still are known as St. Anne's St. Brendan. Okay. Still open. Yeah, absolutely. But the parish, those two churches, St. Anne's St. Brendan's, are in St. Martin's Parish. St. Martin de, Saint Martin de Porres of okay. Lima, Peru. Yeah. So what, uh, there are a lot of things that must bring you joy about your job. Of course, a lot of difficult things, but of the good things, what's, what stands out as a favorite thing? Favorite thing, well, example, at 4.15 today, there was a young couple that I married last September, and they brought their first baby into the world little Christopher Henry, and he's going to be baptized in September. And it's, like, it's an exciting time. It took me a minute to like recognize them because of the masks. I said, like, oh, yeah, Father, you, you married us last September. I said, oh, yeah, the masks have, uh, <laughs> oops, sorry about that. Um, so the moments of joy of people um, wanting a relationship with, with the Lord and accompanying them on it with uh, the sacraments, or if people are having a bad day, people say, hey, Father, do you have time for a quick confession? Sure, come on in. Um, be healed, be forgiven, and, and go sin no more. Um, just life events like that. They say psychiatrists kind of absorb the, the pain of their patients. Do you absorb the pain of your confess the confessions? I I. I say a little prayer that the Holy Spirit wipes my mind clean of anything, anything, because it's it's the seal of confession. If I hear someone's confession and then seconds later I'm meeting them out in the church, there's no way I can just even mention that the person was in talking to me. Yeah, and that's the, that's how sacred it is. Yeah. Now, as far as like self care of like you know. If I'm in a traumatic situation, things on the job or heavy things, do I debrief with other priests about you know, like close calls and calls to the hospital? Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's a way of um, making things lighter. And then I've got professionals I talk to to, you know, keep All me right. sane. Do you ever sneak cover versions of popular songs in like have the organ player do a cover of like an in excess song or something like that no that, 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 the only, that, that hasn't happened in the parishes but when i was in the seminary way back we're talking 30 years ago there was a a man by the name of dan becker who would at the end of our evening prayer would sneak in a few like in a Devita or something and would run up to him and it would be like name that tune like, dan what was it what was it and he, it, it was awesome, and he'd really tie it in nicely. Um, but yeah, I, I really can't do that. But there are some church hymns that uh, really put a smile on my face with, with the, the inside joke. You know, but, uh, yeah. I, you're a music guy, and you you yeah. listen to lots of new music. I'm looking for new music for my playlist. Do you have any suggestions? Well, do you, have you listened to the new Fiona Apple album? No. Um, yeah. Fetch the Bolt Cutters. It's a, it, it is a great piece of music. Okay. Uh, yep. Um, I mean, full disclosure, it's one of those parental advisories on it. So if any of the, the children are watching this, uh, you know, 
get the edited version. And uh, what else? Well, um, what I've been listening to, I, I need some good music to listen to when I'm when I'm writing, like acknowledgments for all the all the um, cards that have come in. My playlist has been. Um, I've been listening to Swans. Get yeah. that? Uh, Aunt Me and the Johnsons, um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Lana Del Rey, uh, the Nebraska album by Bruce Springsteen. This is all like very spiritually kind of modeling stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need, you know, these are um, responses to condolences that people have sent me for the past month. And I just really want to get into the right, into the right mood. A little, not really morbid, but there's hope. There's hope behind all those uh, artists. Nick Cave and Swans are uplifting, I think. Are they? Yeah. Well, the the period of the, in the mid '90s, the um, you know, the the Love of Life album, which I know you love, you like, you know. I do. Yeah. Um, a beautiful song like "The Other Side of the World," where when the female vocalist Charbot is in charge, that's when they you, you just yeah, she just has this amazing, <laughs> heartbreaking voice. Um, yeah, okay. Google can't find my way home. She does a great job. All right. So I, I find melancholy stuff uplifting somehow. Even the, but the swans that you just said were uplifting do have the most downer song ever made. And it's on oh. the, the song is uh, Failure. Yes. Uh huh. It goes, right. there are lyrics like, I've worked hard all my life. Money slips through my hands. My face in the mirror tells me it's no surprise that I'm pushing the stone up the hill of failure. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you, I, I, somehow I, that makes the, me feel good too. Well, well, we all. If if I was looking that, it sounds like a psalm. Not everybody in the Bible is having a good day. If you look at Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That could be Michael Girard of Swan singing. You know, but. Um, the laments, the book of Job. Um, I mean, that's what I get into. Like, I know that things are going to turn around eventually, but I can't stay in that space of uh, the real abrasive early 80s swans. It's always oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Here's one more lament from the same song. My back hurts when I bend because I carry a load. My brain hurts like a knife hole because I've yet to be shown how to pull myself out from the sucking quicksand of failure. Of failure. <laughs> uh-huh. I think you ought to be able to work that into a service someday. Uh, challenge, challenge. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good challenge. I take that. You could probably do that. Yeah. Like you could turn that around. Like just when you think, you know, when it's things are very, very dark, how dark this dark kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the, the readings from this weekend's mass, here's St. Peter walking on the water when he's sinking because he's focusing on the chaos. It's like, you're going to sink if you're not going to uh, keep your eyes on Jesus here. You know, you he's good. Yeah. Father Brian, Brian Clary, the hip priest. And the, a lot of folks, I don't know if you've seen the comments or sending their love and, and they're very glad that you're healthy and yeah, out God. there and doing your job and giving all that you give to the community. Yeah, your community is very lucky to have you. I'm lucky to have the community. They've been great through, this, through the many trials of my life these past uh, many months and hoping that the rest of the year or just day by day is a little quieter. <laughs> oh, 
If you have anything, any news, Paris news or anything you need to get through, just let me know. We'll have you on. And you right. are very uplifting. And so it's, it's, help, it's helpful to a lot of people to, to, to talk to you. It's very healing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Follow by and you take care, brother. And we'll speak soon. All the best. God bless. And Thank the puppies you. say hello, by the, the way. The puppies. I love the puppies. <laughs> okay, bye-bye.